Hey everyone, welcome to season three, episode one of the Right Words podcast. Gee, it's great to be back. I really hope you had a very Merry Christmas and a safe and happy new year. I am Hayley Walsh, your host, author of Lighthearted Fiction, and as always, I'm coming to you from Darug country in far western Sydney at the base of the beautiful Blue Mountains. Now, I really want to take this opportunity once again to thank all our listeners for their support in 2022. And I can hardly believe here we are at season three. Now, have we got a jam-packed episode to kick this season off? We will be introducing our Writing Around the World news segment for the first time. We also have a wonderful and inspirational author interview with Australian author Andrew Hood. Andrew has kindly returned to the podcast to talk about his latest release and third book in his series. And we also have some words of reading inspiration from the wonderful ambassadors from the Australia Reads Initiative. So without further ado, let's jump straight in to episode one. Welcome to our very first Writing Around the World news segment. Each episode, we will be looking at upcoming literary events in a certain part of the globe. Now, I'm going to kick things off very close to home. So if, like me, you are in Australia and are wondering what writerly events are happening around the country in the next couple of months, maybe hit pause, go and grab your notepad and pen and come back and jot some of these little gems down. Now, February has some great events coming up. First up is the Banjo-Patterson Festival in Orange, New South Wales. This is a festival celebrating all things poetry. It is being held from the 17th to the 26th of February. Each year, the Rotary Club of Orange partners with Orange's tourism organisation, Orange 360, the Orange and District Historical Society, the Yearville Community and the councils of Orange, Cabone and Blaney to come together and celebrate Australian poetry. More information can be found on the website, orange360.com.au slash events. Now, GenreCon is happening in Brisbane on the 18th and 19th of February and is the leading and largest conference in the Southern Hemisphere for genre writers. GenreCon is delivered as an initiative of the Queensland Writer Centre and information can be found on the website, genrecon.com.au. The 28th Voices on the Coast Festival is being held on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland from the 23rd to the 24th of February. The Voices on the Coast offers a unique cultural experience to regional youth and the festival has been a much anticipated event for students from year levels 4 to 12 or ages 9 to 18. Now the aim of this festival is to inspire young people to enjoy the world of reading, writing, drawing and performing through their experiences each year. If you want to find out more, hop onto the website voicesonthecoast.com.au. The Cairns Tropical Writers Festival was established in 2008 and is a biennial event. It brings together its regional community of writers and readers with Australia and internationally revered authors and celebrities. The event is of course happening in Cairns in tropical North Queensland from the 24th to the 26th of February. Now some celebrity keynote speakers this year include the wonderful Lee Sales and Annabelle Crabb, both beloved and respected journalists from the ABC. So if you'd like to know more, pop onto their website, ctwf.com.au. Now, if February doesn't sound exciting enough, wait until I tell you what's happening in March. 
Probably one of the most exciting initiatives happening in March is of course the Australian Reading Hour. This event is taking place on the 9th of March. It is an initiative that encourages people to pick up a book and read, share their love of reading with others, or simply take the time to appreciate the wonder and magic of books. There are great events happening all over the country in bookshops, libraries and schools, and I am once again proud to be an ambassador for this wonderful event in 2023. Jump onto the website australiareads.org.au to find out what's happening around you and how you can get involved. Happening from the 4th to the 9th of March is the Adelaide Writers Week. It's Australia's largest free literary festival. How cool is that? It offers both writers and readers a unique opportunity to spend time sharing ideas and literary explorations in a beautiful garden setting in Adelaide City Centre. Each Adelaide Writers Week includes six days of free panel sessions that are presented live in the gardens and made available online via a podcast. Check out the website for more information, adelaidefestival.com.au. The Brimbank Writers and Readers Festival is an annual event that encourages the love of reading and literature, celebrates creativity and diversity, and promotes lifelong learning in Brimbank in beautiful Victoria. The 10-day program of workshops, author talks, panel discussions, creative and professional writing, storytelling and so much more is also free of charge for the community. Once again, how cool is that? In 2023, the festival will celebrate its 18th year and is set to take place from the 16th to the 25th of March. So go to their website, brimbanklibraries.vic.gov.au for more information. And lastly, the Newcastle Writers' Festival in New South Wales is on from the 31st of March to the 2nd of April. Now, it is regarded as the city's premier cultural event and one of the largest regional literary festivals in the country. For more information, hop onto the website, newcastlewritersfestival.org.au. So, there are lots of exciting writing events happening around the country in February and March, so be sure to check them out. Next episode, we will be jetting to the other side of the world to see what's happening in the UK. Now it's time to dive into our interview with Australian author Andrew Hood. But before we do, we have some words of reading inspiration from some of the wonderful Australia Reads ambassadors. everyone, I'm Sandy Barker. I'm the author of the holiday romance series and other romantic comedies set in gorgeous locations. And I'm also an Australia Reads ambassador. I absolutely love reading. And if you're a person who has maybe lost your reading mojo or you've never really gotten into reading, I can highly recommend stopping into the local library or the local bookstore and talking to someone there about what sort of things you're interested in, because I really believe that there is the perfect book out there for everyone. That's fiction, nonfiction, whatever is your jam, um, you should be able to find it at your local library or bookstore. But just keep in mind that reading is such a fun and exciting and pleasurable experience. It's really pure escapism and it's just so nice to be able to switch off from everyday life and pick up a book. I'm Ashley Collegian Blunt and I'm the author of Dark Mode, a psychological thriller that will be out in March this year as well as the memoir, How to Be Australian. 
I am an Australia Reads ambassador because reading has always been a great comfort to me throughout my life. And I think it's important that everyone have the opportunity to become a strong, confident reader and to take comfort from the amazing world that books provide. When I was 10 years old, growing up in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, my family moved halfway across the country to Vancouver Island and I had no friends. And one of the things I remember that helped the most at that time in my life was my mom taking me to the library and finding amazing books that could take me to different worlds. And it was the same when we moved back to the Canadian prairies four years later as a 14 year old and arrived the day before high school started. I had no friends again and books and reading were another huge escape for me. I ended up working in a secondhand bookstop for years, for six years actually, and read widely just any book that caught my eye. I think reading is something that can help anyone at any time in their lives because of the vast variety of books and stories and authors. And I hope that everyone takes time to celebrate Australia Reads and find a new book or a new author that can bring them some comfort. Hi, I'm author Maria P. Frino. I write novels and short stories. I love books, reading, writing, in fact, anything writing and author related. Stories I enjoy are family sagas, romance, science fiction and fantasy, as well as non-fiction, especially biographies. As an ambassador for Australia Reads, I encourage the love of books and reading. Reading can transport you to many different realms. You can learn from the myriad of characters. And reading keeps you entertained for hours, days or even weeks. It's also a great way to connect with like-minded readers. Have you considered becoming a member of a book club? It's a great way to meet and socialise while discussing and reading books. Having joined one many years ago, I have read books I would not have considered and was surprised how much I enjoyed them. Books always expand your mind, no matter the genre. And be sure to follow your favourite authors, keep in touch with them and their news, and keep reading. Happy reading, everyone. This is Maria P. Frino. Have a great day. The Woman Who Stole the World by Andrew Hood. Introduction. Con woman or humanitarian? Either way, the questions remain. Who was the enigmatic Susan Mitchell? And what happened to the hundreds of millions of dollars that she stole from the investors who flocked to her innovative investment fund? Miss Mitchell told anyone that would listen that she had an investment system that would revolutionize how people invested their money. That, in her system, invested money not only gained interest at an incredible rate, but would also fund major humanitarian efforts around the world while it did so. She claimed to, invented, to have invented a new type of low-risk 
investment vehicle that she called the Human Capital World Fund. Then, about a year ago, at the height of her success, but with major questions being asked, Susan Mitchell disappeared without a trace, along with her fund and all the money that was invested in it. Over the coming months, we will investigate how she went from executive assistant to CEO and creator of one of the fastest growing investment funds of all time, a fund manager to the stars, with over hundreds of millions of dollars with her client's money under her management and sole control. We will try and understand how this secretive woman, with no formal education, could entertain ultra-wealthy A-list celebrities, people of power, and everyday mums and dads with fanciful stories of her humanitarian successes. Join us as we investigate the company that she took over and the funds she developed. We will also peer into the mysterious background of Miss Mitchell herself by talking to those that knew her best. We will try and understand where she came from, who she was working with, and just how she could disappear so completely with all that money. Join me, Stephen Grace, as we go on the search of the elusive Susan Mitchell, the woman who stole the world. Hello, everyone. You have just heard a reading from Australian author Andrew Hood's new book. Now, if his name sounds familiar to you, it's because Andrew joined me on the podcast last season. Andrew is back to kick off season three and talk about his latest release, the third and final book in the series. Andrew, thank you for returning to have a chat and welcome back to the Right Words podcast. Thank you, Hayley, and uh, congratulations for getting to season three. This is awesome, and, and uh, you know, it's so hard for, for new authors to get their name out, so having a podcast like yours and, uh, and all the work you do is, is really appreciated, and, uh, and congratulations. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Sometimes I can't believe myself it's, um, you know, two full seasons have aired. We've just hit oh, 1,000 so downloads, well. so yeah, yeah, really exciting. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. so great to know people are listening. And thank you for joining me. No problem at all. Now, Andrew, hopefully listeners, some listeners have heard your interview from last season, but if they haven't, can you tell them about the first two books in the series titled The Man Who Corrupted Heaven and The Man Who Settled the Score? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Hayley. So really, it's, it's a trilogy of books. The, the first two books, the first book really sets up the scene or sets the scene and that we're, that we're effectively talking about three orphans who were treated very badly in the orphanage that um, they grew up in. Um, you know, I, I had lots of stories from my father about, about being an orphan and, and what's that, what that's like, you know, as I was growing up and a lot of that stuff sort of stuck with me. So um, those books, in those books, we introduce the three characters. The first book is about the first of those characters. And because I had nothing as children, he, he thinks the answer is money. You know, if he has money, then he's mm-hmm. got power. So he devotes his whole life to, you know, getting money and becoming rich. And then when he finds out he's going to die, he decides that he doesn't want to let death steal that money from him. So he he comes up a way um, of taking that money to heaven with him when he goes. And it's about his uh, story of self-discovery, you know, when he gets there looking back on his life and the mistakes he's made. Um, the second book is about his brother, John, um, and, and he's angry. So rather than trying to get money, he just He's just angry at everybody and he just wants to make the people pay for what they did. Um, so that book is called The Man Who Settled the Score. Um, and, and then the third book, The Woman Who Stole the World. 
Okay, fantastic. So before we get into the third book, I have to ask, how does it feel having published the final book of the series? Because let's face it, it's a marathon. It's a great accomplishment. Absolutely. Congratulations. Thank you. It was funny. I, you know, I, I had a, a book launch last week and I said, there was this great saying that I read somewhere and it said, most people overestimate what they can achieve in one year and underestimate what they can achieve in 10 years. Now, 10 years ago, the thought that I would have written one book, let alone three, a whole trilogy of books would have seemed so far-fetched that I would never have believed it. But, you know, I'm here. I've written the third book. I, I, I'm so relieved to have gotten here. It, it just feels fantastic. I, I feel so proud. Yeah, you should be proud. It's wonderful. You. So you were kind enough to actually invite me to your book launch, but unfortunately I couldn't make it. So how did the book launch go, Andrew? Oh, I went really well. Thank you. We, we, you know, the book, and we can talk about the book in a minute, but the book is about a powerful woman, right? So mm-hmm. we held the book launch at a women's gym because, you know, what, what better place to tell the story of a powerful woman than a women's gym where there's lots of women being powerful. And Fantastic. I was lucky enough that a, a great friend of mine, um, Karina, owned that gym. And, and uh, when this book launch was coming up, she said, oh, I would love for you to do it in my gym. So I was so, so happy to do it there amongst friends. And it was just a fantastic night when you have, you know, a bunch of your friends around you, people. And, and I think the thing that amazed me is it wasn't just family and friends, but I had people who had been readers of my first two books who turned up as well. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm nervous to say fans, but, you know, somebody who'd actually, <laughs> I, I was talking to one lady and I said, how did you find out? She goes, oh, I've read your first two books. So I wouldn't have missed this for the world. And it was so lovely to hear that. Like I was, I was not expecting that. It was really nice. Yeah. So that's actually a bit of a segue into what I was just about to ask you mm-hmm. is, did you get any feedback, you know, from readers on your first two books? You know, what, what did people come up and, and talk to you about? Did, did it spark any conversation or? Yeah, it sparks a lot of conversation, especially book one. Um, book two is quite violent and it's not for everybody. And I knew that writing it. And I even say it in the opening of that book. I say, hey, you know, I, I could have watered this down, but I, in the end, I had to write the book I had to write. Um, but book one sort of catches people by surprise because they don't know the title's quite strong and they don't know what to expect from it. Mm. And um, I put so much effort into that book that um, people seem to, the, it's like when you, you find your crowd, I think they call it or something like that. And I, when I find my crowd, when I find the people that like these sort of books, they're just passionate about it. And that I've had so many beautiful messages online. I, I think once a week, I'll get a message from someone on Facebook just saying, hey, this is my new favourite book of all time. Thank you so much. And that's just so lovely to get those sorts of messages. When you, when you, you know, labour over a piece of work for five years and nobody's read it and you're not sure if anybody's ever going to like it, mm-hmm. to actually hear stuff like that, it's just such a lovely feeling. Um, and I'm so proud of that first book. Proud of the second book too. Um, but like I said, it's not for everyone. It's a bit dark for, yep. you know, for some. Um, so that's why I sort of went a bit lighter in book three. I wanted to, I wanted to, uh, you know, I was getting tired of writing about really heavy stuff and I, I just wanted to write a great story and, and, you know, that's, that's what I did with that third book. So, yeah, cool. So another question before we dive into that third book, yeah. um, I actually wanted to attend the Australian book fair, um, uh, back in mm. November in Sydney that you actually got to go to, and I believe yeah. you got to meet your publisher, face-to-face. So, so how was that? How exciting? <laughs> it was really nice, actually, because, um, 
you know, we sort of met at the start of, well, we met uh, in phone calls and, and Zoom calls like this uh, at the start of COVID. So, and then I was supposed to go down and see him and do a, a book signing down in Melbourne. And right at the time, I think my daughter got COVID the first time and the second time I had COVID or, or he, or there were, you know, we, we just, I think at least twice we missed each other. Um, and, uh, and when he said he was going to be at the book fair, it was fantastic. You know, I'm sure I'm publishing my, my publishers and they're fantastic mm-hmm. for me. But um, Bradley there, who's, you know, who's been, who's been so helpful for me, um, you know, and, and it wasn't, you know, it was there and it was great. We, you know, we didn't just spend, you know, 30 minutes on a call that we sometimes do. We actually got to spend a few hours just hanging around and, and chat, chatting about the industry and, you know, where it's going and all of that sort of stuff. So it was, it was good. It was good quality time i think if i can if i can get away with saying that it was it was good to spend some time with him yeah and fantastic. not just him but the, the whole team there yeah fantastic and i believe this was the first wasn't it the australian book fair i think this was the first year it was held yeah it was well, that's my understanding as well it's the first time they've held it so yeah. it was uh, nobody sort of knew what to expect from it so it was an adventure i love an adventure it was an adventure <laughs> and you know what i find with these things because i've done a couple of them now i did the logan book fair as well and I just, I mean, you get to speak to some lovely readers, which is really good. I mean, when that, when, when a reader comes to your table, you're almost pitching, right? You say, this is what my book's about. And you're Absolutely. Sort of hoping that they like it. You're not sure, but you talk to them as well, find out a little bit about them. But the great thing about these fairs is meeting other writers. Like at that Logan one, you know, I, I met a wonderful Australian writer called Gillian Wells and we, we've become supporters now, you know, we've read each other's books. We talk about each other's books, you know, on, uh, online. Um, so, you know, you sort of make an, you create a network for yourself at those, at those events and you get to meet people. And um, it was funny because we, we, for the second day, at least we, we moved her so that her store was right next to mine. And, oh, nice. uh, and we were selling together. It was just wonderful. People were coming along and buying books from me and her because we just, uh, work so well together so and we're completely different genres so <laughs> it's you know it's just um you know you get to build a network but you get to meet some really interesting people as well and hear their stories other authors and yeah. you don't get to meet a lot of authors um yeah you, know, you toil away in your own room or in your coffee shop or wherever you're writing yeah it's a lonely endeavor to... isn't it yeah 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 yeah. And I just, I recently held, you know, a little catch up in Sydney yeah. and unfortunately you couldn't make it. So I hopefully, make that one. <laughs> so hopefully sometime in 2023, you and I will actually meet face to face, which will be lovely. So that would be great. Coffee's on me. Oh, can't wait. Fantastic. A latte with one sugar. Thanks. <laughs> I'll put the order in. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into the woman who stole the world. Hmm. Um, so that's why we're here to talk about your new release. Yeah. So this book sounds really intriguing because it sounds like it's a bit of a mystery that reads as a doco, like a series of true crime yeah, podcasts, I believe. It's, it's funny because, you know, the thing I like about uh, literary, sorry, my chair's making a bit of noise here. The thing I like about literary fiction is I can make, I can tell the story I want to tell any way that I want to tell it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't need to stick to a crime genre or, you know, a, or a romance or something like that. I can, I can sort of do it in any way I like. And that works for me because I, I have these stupid, crazy ideas that I have no chance of ever working. And then I have this incredible challenge that I have to make it work. So I was yep. trying to think of how all I had was the title, The Woman That Stole the World, Who Stole the World. And, uh, and I'm thinking, how am I going to 
what, how am I going to, what's the story and how am I going to tell it? And I was listening to, I got intrigued with these uh, enigmatic women. So Elizabeth Holmes, um, mm-hmm. you know, some, you know, who did Thanos, there was, there was this podcast um, called um, the missing crypto queen and BBC and all of these documentaries about, you know, these, these people and women that have, you know, that have gone missing and where are they and who are they? And it was always the telling of a story from other people. So you never actually usually got to hear from the person themselves. Um, oh, it was always right. about okay. how do you tell someone's story from a whole bunch of other people? And then I heard this great podcast that I, I mentioned it a minute ago, um, The Missing Crypto Queen, which was a BBC podcast. And, and then I started listening to other podcasts as well. And I thought, I just love the style. It's like that old documentaries, you know, the families used to sit around the TV watching the documentaries. Um, and there's still some great ones on Netflix, but they're a bit different now. But that that thing of, you know, and after the break, you know, in next episode, we will talk to this man and you go, oh, I can't wait to hear what he's got to say. And, you know, yeah. so I, I just thought, man, I would love to be able to tell this story. I mean, it's a, it's a book, right? It's a novel, but in the form of a true crime podcast that sort of goes off the rails, right? So they start with this, who is she? She stole all this money. She must be just a thief. And then they start to dig and there's no history and they don't know who she is and 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 while i was writing it the me too movement was you know kicking off and in full force and yep and um and so i started to you know look at the way sometimes in meetings you know when i was working at the time you know women's ideas weren't taken seriously or you know or you know things i I just started to notice things and so i I sort of came up with this idea of all these men telling her story and, and getting it wrong like underestimating her and saying she could never have done this by herself. There must have been a whole team of men behind her. Like there, there must have been, you know, there's no way, you know, she's just a figurehead and all of this sort of stuff. So you you get this intriguing story of who she was, you know, and, and then at the very end, she pops up to tell the story, like, in, you know, in her. And so you finally oh. get that closure of. So know, at the end, you get her you version get her. of who she and, is. You know, and it, and I, I haven't answered every single question um, mm-hmm. because in these documentaries, often they never do. Like often there's, you walk away going, oh, you know, I wonder about this and I wonder about that. Maybe there's an opportunity there for another book down the track. But I've uh, I've tried to, to tell a really, you know, uh, engaging story where you're like, I just want to read the next page. I just want to read the next page. And, and there's, you know, uh, there's love triangles in here and there's, uh, you know, it, there's so much in this book. It, it sounds like a, you know, a, um, a true crime, financial fraud sort of book, but it, there's so much to this story, and uh, I'm really glad that it's just it's just good old fashioned storytelling that I've done that I've gone for with this one. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, you're a big fan of the true crime podcast. So, did listening to the podcast sparked the idea or did you start listening to the podcast as research once you came up with the idea? Was it the chicken or the no, egg? Which I, one came no, I first? Think, I think I went, you know, I think I knew the story I wanted to tell and then I started listening and I thought, I'm going to do it in this way, you know? So mm. it was then finding the format that I wanted to use to tell the story. And um, the great thing about it is, it's like a film script, right? Like you say, you know, this is Stephen Grace. And, and then you can put very easily, you can build a, you know, what this guy sounds like, how he speaks, and then you'll get another character and you'll, you know, so I've never had such, and I, I didn't sit down and, 
you know, I'm not the sort of person that spends, you know, two months writing, you know, uh, a whole book about each character in my story with a back backstory and all of this sort of, I don't, I just make it up as I go along, but um, <laughs> yeah. I found in this format where I actually put somebody's name, you know, one of the names, you know, I'm just opening it, it's Dirk Rockford. And I'm thinking, okay, he's going to talk like an American and he's going to use this sort of thing. And, uh, you know, it really helped me to get straight into these characters' heads and some of the characters um, yeah. really, it's like she was the runaway character from book one. And I was so, you know, intrigued by her halfway through book writing book one, I thought oh, this is going to have to be three books and she's the end. Like she's the big finale in all of this because her character is just intriguing right across the three books. Yeah. So um, she stood out for you in the very beginning that she, yeah, she could have she a whole story around her. Yeah. 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 So, and that's when, you know, that was the big finish was, was her finish. Because I don't think I've ever heard of a book or read a book, Andrew, that's, you know, written in that, in that form. I think that's fascinating. It's very different. Yeah, thank you. It's not for everyone. What I've learned is um, if you listen to podcasts, you, mm-hmm. you adjust to it really quickly. Like you okay. get that, you know, every episode starts with a little preamble and all of that sort of stuff. For those that don't listen to podcasts, and I've, I've had a few who've read it and they say, oh, it's a little strange at the start but then I switched in like then I started to just you know see the story for what it was and not get distracted Mm. by the podcast style of the story so you know it's a little bit of a warning for those that don't listen to podcasts that you know you might just need a few pages to 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 you know orientate yourself around the way of telling the way I've told the story but Mm. when it happens you don't even notice it anymore and, and you know everybody's enjoyed the story so it hasn't got in the way of anybody fantastic so even though it was very different for people you, you got positive feedback yeah no, I've had some it, great feedback so far I'm really excited I think um I think a lot of people I'm excited because I think there could be a lot of people that actually come to the series and maybe go back and read books one and two after reading book three I think book three is a great introductory point to my writing if, uh, you know, they don't have to be read, they're all completely independent. Yep. So you one, don't have to read them in order. Not at all. And, uh, you know, it, there's maybe, you know, two paragraphs where having some of the backstory of book one might help, but, it, you know, it's not going to hold anybody back from the enjoyment of the story. It's just because I felt like I owed people that have gone through the journey and read book one and two something, yep. you know, some sort of tie-in. So, so yeah. I had that at the end. Because it sounds to me, Andrew, like different to the first, you know, um, first books one and two, there's an mm. element of mystery around unraveling who this person is. Mm. So had you written that type of thing before mystery? And like, if you hadn't, how did you approach trying to plot out that element, you know, mystery element to a story? Yeah, it's, it's sort of, it's weird. I don't know. Like I said before, I sort of set myself these impossible tasks and then I try and achieve them. Book two was a, a single confession right you one character talking to you at, you're effectively the second character in the story it's somebody making a confession to you and I was like how could is there any way I could write an entire book in this fashion and I was able to pull it off so this one I sort of went is there any way I can do this <laughs> I don't know yep. if there is but I'm going to give it a shot and see what happens and it and it just worked like it worked really well and while I said I you you know there was that one podcast I, I really liked the characters in that podcast mm-hmm. um, and I used some of their voices in my head while I was writing this story but then there was other podcasts that I really liked the structure of 
So I would use part of the structure of those. I would use the storytelling of another. So, it, you know, I didn't, I didn't go searching for, for 20 or 30 different podcasts. I maybe had two or three that I just thought were wonderful, uh, mm. you know, and, um, and then I told my story on top of, you know, the mechanics. So I guess while I say literary fiction, I can make it up as I go along. I did use their formats, you know, and I was able to, to create a story out of that. Yeah, because I think just developing the characters in that, you know, the style that you've written this story would have been so exciting because, you know, we we can use a bit of dialogue or, you know, whatever in our stories, but you really got to delve into it. You know, how do they speak? What's their persona? What would they say? You really got to delve into that a lot more because of the way, you know, that it was a a doco and a a podcast. So I think that would have been lots of fun. It was a lot of fun Mm. and it was great working with an editor because the editor was like, this is when it was done. But the editor was like, think about how this character has said this before. Like, would would they say it again? Like, don't, don't you think they would say it slightly differently? And then he'd come and say, you know, I don't know if you've realised this, but this character and this character actually sound quite similar. Why don't we give one of them some sort of, you know, um, speech tick or something that they do mm. which is different? Yeah, you know, some unique characteristic. Else. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought... You know, just one more thing is I thought the characters' voices were quite clear, right? And so there was a character I, I envisaged had this Irish accent. And then a friend of mine said, oh, yeah, she was American, right? Or she was English, you know? And so it, the accents that I had in my head don't necessarily mean that that's the accent that the reader reads it in. Um, I, I'm really interested always when I, when I talk to someone who's read it, what, what did you think? What, what, where was this set, you know? Because I always try and set my books um, in not, you know, in an undisclosed place, so that somebody you know in the states could think it's there. Somebody in you know Australia could think it's here, and it doesn't matter where the book is read; it it can be seen as a local book or felt. Oh, to be a local yeah, that's book. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I okay. never write the suburb. I never write the state or any of that sort of stuff if I can get away with it. Interesting. Hmm. Mm. So, does this book have a message for the reader, or do you think if someone was to say all of your three books in this series, do they have a message for the reader? What yeah. would they be? What would well, the message look, be? I think, like I said before, right, that, that the first book was about the man who had money and he realised that that was a mistake, right? And that mm. he couldn't, you know, he couldn't, um, you know, there was no self-discovery until he could let that go. Um, the second guy it was full of anger. But again, the, you know, the self-discovery was in letting that go. This this third mm. book, the, she, she just wanted to feel power one time before she died you know one time in her life she wanted to feel like you know she had some power over somebody men had had power over her her whole life Mm. so this one time she just wanted to feel that you know and so i think i think there's a good story in this in that you know we often underestimate people i think women you know and i don't you know who am i i'm i'm a I'm a white male, you know, <laughs> I'm a very privileged and I'm very thankful for that. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I think we, we got to be smarter than that now, you know, um, yeah. we've got to think about where, where are we not doing justice, you know, and where, where is equality not happening? And, um, you know, it's not like I've, I've gone purposely to set out to, you know, write, uh, you know, a, a, a book about feminism, but, you know, I, I don't want to ignore it either. And, you know, it, it, it actually helps to write a pretty good story sometimes, you know, when, mm. when you're looking about how to tell a story's life. Uh, so, 
you know, all, all of the men in this book, they get it wrong. They don't understand it because they keep looking through their own, their own, their own lens, their own lens. And, mm. you know, and there's her friend in this and, and her friend keeps saying, no, you're getting this wrong, but nobody will listen to her. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the message is. I think everybody will get their own message, but I think there's, there's something in all of that um, for us all to think about. Yeah, Andrew, how did you approach, you know, writing the story from a from a female perspective? Like, um, you know, I've never written a male protagonist yeah. in any of my books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, did, did you talk to women? Did you, you know, like how did you approach that? Did you find that difficult or or not? I, I cheated, Haley. You cheated? Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> do so tell. Like, again, remember, I've I've told the story of this woman from men. Right. So yep. it's all the men's perspective that, and it's only at the very end that you hear from her. Right. So, mm. um, you know, I did cheat a little bit, but you know, I, I do, you know, I've worked with some incredible women. Um, you know, my, my, my wife is an incredible woman. My mother's an incredible woman. So, you know, I've, I, I think I've had a good area of perspective um, to, to see them, you know, uh, mm. and, and to notice some of the struggles that they've had i do you know i do ask you know my wife and you know other people opinions on things all the time just to make sure i'm getting things right but i didn't you know this book hasn't been written from the female perspective other than really you know um some bits and pieces because i didn't want to get it wrong Um, right yeah and i know we are authors and we do get it wrong but we also we give it our best shot you know as well but uh and which is what i've tried to do I think it's pretty clever what you've done, Andrew, um, you know, because being a male mm-hmm. writing from a female perspective, you've managed to sort of tell the story from a male point of view and still get the point across. I think the concept is really clever. I think it's yeah, great. Thank you. Appreciate that. I, yeah. uh, I, I've, I've got on TikTok recently and uh, one of the posts I saw on there was a, um, a young woman saying, oh, I never read books from men because they always write terribly about women. And I thought, oh, man. I'd hate for someone to ever say that about me, but, you know, and she just, you know, she yeah. had her opinions and, and everybody just reads what they like anyway. So it's no point me arguing or, or anything. Yeah, else. because I think I think a lot of women think, you know, if, if a man's going to write a book and it's, you know, about a female, you know, they're going to focus on her, her you know, her boobs and, yeah. and this, and it's all going to be well, about sex and physical. And, and that's not the case, you know, so. It's not, but you know what? It goes back to that first book, right? Because, in the, the this woman and her, her name is just for for the purpose of this podcast. Her name is Susan Mitchell, mm-hmm. and Susan in that first book, in the first chapter or two, she, you know, you could be forgiven for thinking that I was just some sexist. The way I wrote about her, that I was just some sexist pig or whatever. You know, it wasn't nice that how I started that book, but things changed very quickly. And like I said, not only did she sort of steal the show, but she stole the whole series, right? So it sounds that way. Yeah. yeah so I might've, I might've, you know, written a chat and, you know, somebody once said, oh, I don't know about the way you I said, just keep reading, just keep reading. It's going to be okay. It's all going to make sense. And um, so, you know, I could understand if, if, if somebody thought that, but you have to read through it because um, like I said, she, she really has legs and legs is in story legs. Yeah. Um, um, oh God, I've just ruined everything I've said now, but there you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, go. Andrew, this is like asking you, do you have a favorite child? But out of yeah. the three books, do you have a favorite? And if so, why would it be your favorite out of the three books in the series? Uh, it's I a hard think, question, um, isn't it? Yeah. Look, I think, I think it's book one. Um, I, I, 
because it's so different and I have mm-hmm. so many um, philosophical ideas and, you know, and the way I wrote it and there's so much in there. And I'm so proud of the effort. And even my wife, you know, she says, oh, I love reading book three, um, but book one is, is your masterpiece. You know, that, you know, that's just her way of being nice, but you know, that's what she said that that book is an amazing, you know, and I, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really glad uh, book book two is funny. There's this, there's some good friends of mine who actually like book two better. I think they like violent stuff, you know, so they, they were like, uh, oh, so it just great. depends on, on what you're a fan this. of. That's, yeah. This is a yep. revenge story. I'm all into revenge stories, you know? Um, so I, th- I think everybody's got something different and, you know, I could have just done three books exactly the same, um, but I didn't. I wrote, you know, one, one story of self-discovery, one of revenge and, and one, I guess, which is almost like a true crime um, and they're all the same series. So it's just crazy. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I'm proud of how unique that first book is. Okay. Well, I guess I guess I could say that for all three of, of these books, really. Yeah. What about the characters in the series? So which one do you think you would get along with best and why? Uh, I think Susan Mitchell, the third book. I think okay. I like I've always, I've always done quite well with difficult people. You know, the people that just send everybody else crazy have always been my best friends because I'm fascinated by them. Like I have one great friend and we are like, you know, like absolute polar opposites. And we've been such great friends and we've worked together in places now that he said to me once, you know, sometimes I know I'm going to do the wrong thing. And I always think to myself, what would hoodie do? And there are some times <laughs> when I think to myself, man, I'm, you know, I can't be boring here. I need to make an impact in this room. And so I think, what, what would Simon do? Right. So um, <laughs> how long have you been friends, Andrew? How long have you oh, known each other? It must be about eight, nine years now. Okay. But we worked very closely together. Um, and I have other friends in the same sort of vein, you know, who are really unique characters. I love these unique characters. So I've never been afraid of them um you know they can drive other people crazy but uh you know i've always i've always liked them and i and i think you know i like i like characters that are you know i don't that i don't always understand you know um and that's like like this susan mitchell in this third book yeah um, do, do you feel a little bit lost now you finish this series or are you working on something new like do you think you have another series in you or are you working had, on anything um, at the moment yeah, I, I am. So I'm working on another book. It's completely in a, a new series. Um, and it was quite an angry book. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it, it, I'm, I'm always unsure how much I should say, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I still, when I, when I do book signings, um, I think we spoke about this in the first, first podcast, but mm-hmm. I get approached by angry Christians who hate, you know, um, the title, The Man Who Corrupted Heaven, and, and start yelling at me in the middle of a shopping centre. Yes. Um, so I, I remember you. T- so, so, listeners, if you haven't heard Andrew's interview from season two, please go back and have a listen because, yeah, it's uh, very interesting, isn't it, Andrew, that you've had yeah. some real characters come up and, yeah, anyway, it's carry funny, on. Like three years later, I'm still copping it. I did it. I, you know, I, I did a book signing uh, last a oh, couple of weeks ago, and the woman said she came up and, and, you know, just for those who haven't listened, my, my books, they're, they're not 
Christian books, when I talk about heaven, heaven that I've created is trying not to upset anybody, right? It's it's almost like a democracy. I, you know, nobody really knows what's going on. Everybody's trying to figure it out as they go along. You know, there's all of this. So it's not like heaven, angels, God, and all of that sort of stuff. It's a different, you know, format. I've tried to keep it um, not religious. Um, but this this woman came up and she said, are you anti-Christian? And I could just see this, this venom in her face. <laughs> I said, I'm not anti-Christian. But I think maybe I've upset you, have I? And she goes, yes, you upset me. And I said, well, I never meant to upset you. And I think maybe that just says a little bit more about you than it says about me. Mm. Because, and I didn't mean to, like I felt, mm, was that too much? But it was because I didn't want to fight. And I fought, you know, before when I've said, hey, you know, don't get upset. This is not a, you know, whenever you try and you're already engaged in an argument, right? So I try just to shut it down now. Yeah, um, yeah. But it was, it was after one of those that I sort of got the idea for this next book um, and, uh, and I sort of ran with it. But it was a, there was some anger in, in my approach. It was not like I was sitting out to take anybody down or anything, but it, it was the way I was telling the story. So I went really hard with that for, um, you know, about six months. Mm-hmm. And I, I probably wrote half the book. And, uh, and then I needed a break from the anger. You know, because every time you sit down to write, you get back into that headspace, right? So yeah, I had an old book that my mother, it was the first thing I ever wrote and, and it was a half a book from 15 years ago. No, you know, nobody's, um, it's, it's never seen the light of day, but um, my mother read it at, at, at the halfway stage. I hadn't read a book by that, so written a book by that stage, sorry. And she's been at me to go back and finish that book. You got to go back. You got to, I love that story. You know, that story's got legs. So I sort of tried to go back and, and finish that just as a break from this angry book. The problem is I'm not the, the man I was 15 years ago anymore. And, you know, mm. and while it was a good yeah, story, it's sort of my stakes are higher now, you know, I, yep. <laughs> so it's a good story and I will finish it. Um, but I'm where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm picking fights and, you know, with the world, not with any particular organization. I'm, I'm doing things which are different now. So I had to go back to my angry book and, and I'm going to do that. And that's going to be great. I'm, I'm excited about this one too. It's very, it's again, it's going to be very unique. Yep. Um, I'm probably not going to release it until the second book is ready because. Um, is this another I, three book series? Do you think? It'll or? probably be a two book series. A two book. Okay. Yeah. And it's sort of, it, it, it would be unfair of me to leave the reader at the end of book one without book two being ready. So, you know, I don't want that. I don't want to do that to, to a reader. So I'm going to finish this book and then I'm going to finish the next book and either bring them out maybe a month apart or, you know, a couple of months apart or just bring them out together as, you know, as a set. I don't know, but that's what I'm thinking of doing. Okay. Interesting. Now, I think I think last season, I think I asked you what advice you would have for a new author, but this time I'm going to ask you, what's the best piece of writing advice you've ever been given? Hmm. I think, um, oh man, I've been given so many pieces of advice, but they're from lots of different places, right? Because, again, when I set out on this journey, I didn't know any authors. And I didn't yep. feel like I had the right to talk to any because I hadn't done anything. Oh, you know, that's that exactly how that. I felt. Like I'm Is just it? this yeah, little okay. old 
you know, this little old nurse from Sydney who's trying to write a book, who's going to listen to me, who's going to want yeah, to talk yeah. to me. I felt exactly the same way. And then when I jumped into the writing community, I yeah. was so pleasantly surprised. It oh, was they're wonderful. lovely people, lovely people. Yeah. Um, I, I guess my, I, the thing that works for me is, and maybe this is, you know, maybe I'm a little bit ADHD or something, but total immersion. You know, I, I have to put myself in the world. You know, I have so if I'm, you know, when I'm going to become a writer, I listen to every podcast I can get my hands on. I listen mm-hmm. to, you know, I, I I get the right software. You know, it's, you know, if you're going to learn how to run, you might as well get the right running gear rather than, you know, starting with the worst shoes. You're going to do one little sprint. You're going to have blisters everywhere. So you sort of That's got right. to get yourself, get you know, find out what the, the people that know what they're doing do and yeah. then try yeah. and emulate that because I think um, – the one thing I would say is I have this whole way that I go about my writing and I probably wouldn't tell anybody to use that because it's a pretty sort of crazy system. But, but it works for you, right? Books, and that's what the important thing is. It works for you. Absolutely. And everyone's different. That's right. And so over the three books, it's the system that I have and it just works well for me. You know, it works across three pieces of software, a copy and paste from here to there and then back again. And um, But in each time I, you know, I do that, I, I refine the work. So, um, yeah, it's hard for me. I, I don't give a, you know, I'm happy to talk about how I go about it and the creative process and all of that sort of stuff. But really for me, it was immersion, a total immersion. I just wanted to be um, in the world. You know, how do other writers do it? What do they do? You know, what are, what are the different templates? Should I use them? Should I not? What do I, how do I go about it? Yeah. Yeah. And has this new book you're working on, like obviously you don't want to give too much away, but does mm. it have a title or or not? It's, or not yeah, yet? it's called The Mirror. The Mirror. Okay. Yeah. Very simplistic. And it's just a working title. It may change. I don't know. Um, for for now it's called The Mirror. And okay. uh, and it's you know, it's uh it's meant to be vague. <laughs> but okay. I'll, I will see if it changes. <laughs> I will see if it changes. For now it's called the mirror. Yeah, the characters will let you know where, where it has to go, Andrew. They will they eventually. Will. They always they do, will. don't they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I got a good hole on this one. I'm already starting to think about book two now. So okay. I just got to, it's you get to a point where it's like, yeah, yeah, I know where this is going. Let's just finish this and get on to the, the, the next book because you're always excited about the next book. It's like, you know, oh, yeah. I've got this great idea, but I can't work on it for another year. It's a long time to hold. Oh, as a writer, that just that does my head in because, as you know, like I work full time as a nurse and yeah, and my yeah, crazy stepkids and and life in general. Yeah, and I've always got you know two or three ideas for a story. I'm I'm working on two oh, at yeah. the moment. Yeah. and every time these other stories come knocking, I just have to slam the door and go, "Look, guys, it's not going to happen." Yeah, you know, I'm I jot down not... a few notes and I might get back to it in a couple of years. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it's yep. funny my publisher said to me oh, I'd, li- I'd like you to write a kid's book I said, oh wow i don't why would i write a kid's book i don't like have you read my other thing <laughs> have you read, read <laughs> that'd my be work? yeah to- um, something totally different for you wouldn't yeah, it just yeah it would but he said you know what we sell a lot of kids books and you know it'd be great to bring the you know the people that buy the kids books across to your books and you've got a following it'd be great to be able to bring those people across to your kids books and then have something more that you can sell to your readers as well you know for 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 their kids or for their grandkids or whatever so wow that's something i might i, I i've started to look at I, i've given it a quick go but I, I really need to spend some time on that maybe that's a little project i can do between the two books we'll see how we go so what age group would you 
have a crack at, do you think? That's what I got to figure out. I, I um, yeah, probably quite young. Like I, when I think about reading books to my kids, you know, there was this, these great books like um, Going on a Bear Hunt, Harry McClary from Donaldson's Dairy. Like some of these books are just amazing. There was this great book called My Dad and My Mom. There was another book. And just reading those books to the kids, you know, I remember putting these silly voices on and all of that. So <laughs> I, I want to write a book that enables, you know, a mum or a dad to, to have as much fun reading it to their child as I had reading it to mine. I don't yeah. know if I can do that. I'm not a kid's author, but again, when I'm ready, I'll, I'll totally immerse myself into that world and mm. we'll, we'll make it work. And maybe you could, you know, if you did write a, a kid's book, Andrew, like you enjoy reading to your kids, would you ever consider doing the audio version, actually narrating it yourself? Yeah. Well, if it was a kid's book, I would. Mm. Yeah. I think that'd be fun, wouldn't it? 30 hours worth of audio work to, to put it together. It'll, <laughs> it'll be just 20 pages and I'd be happy to do that. Yeah, it'd be um, fun though, wouldn't it? It would be fun, you know, because I could ham it up a bit too. Um, yeah, and and what had how many kids do you have again? I have three, but they're a bit older now. They're nineteen, um, uh, fifteen, and fourteen. Are they so all? Are they I'm all not readers? reading to them anymore? <laughs> are they all they're readers not, though? Do they not, like to read? Or? Really, it's really disappointing to me. I wish they were. Um, oh, I feel your pain. My step that, my stepsons are the same. Don't worry. Yeah, no, yeah. I look. They read a little bit and my son's getting interested, my eldest in, in finance. So he's reading Rich Dad Poor Dad at the moment. So, you know, you know, I'm I'm happy with that. That's what I read when I was around his age. And you know, mm-hmm. so um any as long as they read anything, I'm happy. I, I think my mum gave me a Jackie Collins book, you know, and for for a teenager, I think I was 17. I remember you telling me this story. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But there was so much smut in it. I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, so <laughs> teenage boys thinking, I'm oh, this is fantastic. Yeah, I'll give them 50 shades of gray or something. I haven't read it myself, but <laughs> maybe they'll like that. I don't know. But you've got to find something to hook them, you know? Um, yeah. The other thing was Stephen King. I started reading Stephen King books. So I think, you know, I could get them to read a Stephen King book, you know, because the, the horror, you know, keep, or might just keep them entertained but you somehow you got to get them to read those first couple of pages yeah well let's hope one day they read your books i hope so i really hope so it's yeah. like a letter i've written to my children that in the hope that one day they will read it that's how the, these books feel like you know yeah because i think you know like you know your kids to a certain degree but i think to find out how they interpret what you've written you get yeah. to know them just that little bit deeper don't you I think that'd be really interesting yeah Right. You know what? If, if they need to be a little bit older before they do, then that's okay. You know, it's funny. One of my one of my daughter's friends is reading all of my books at the moment. You know, she's fourteen years old. Oh God, makes me a little bit nervous because they're you know there's some pretty big themes in these adult books. themes. Yeah, yeah adult yeah. themes. But she's a reader. You know, you know, just cannot get enough reading, mm. uh, and she reads adult books. So, um, but you know, it's funny. Their friends are, you know she took it to class it's a funny story she took it to class and her english teacher said what's this and she goes oh it's it's rose hood's dad uh who wrote this and he goes oh wow so she's talking about it my, my my daughter is going oh don't talk about that don't talk about dad's books oh my god that's oh crazy. yeah your daughter be like oh my god how embarrassing like, yeah. just imagine <laughs> so it's quite funny like that oh god that's funny yeah <laughs> Andrew, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I'm, I'm so thrilled that you've wanted to come back and chat to us again. It's been fantastic. 
Oh, I really enjoy talking to you, Haley. You, you do a great job. I, no, look, I think, um, you know, I just, I, I, I'm so thankful to the people that read my books because, um, mm-hmm. you know, they, they send me you know, great feedback. I, I love getting messages from them on, on, mostly on Facebook where I interact, but I've, I've started doing this TikTok thing. I feel like such a, such a fool. I'm, you know, 49 year old, 40 something year old man. And I'm on TikTok with all these, yeah, but that that's where people are selling books at the moment. You know, that's where, yeah. uh, or, or talking about books, you know, which is one of my favorite subjects. So you've got to Have go you got any tips for me, Andrew? Because, sorry, because I, I oh. found TikTok so difficult. I know the algorithm is quite brutal. You know, you've got to be posting oh, yeah. a lot and, and I just, I just don't have the time and I'd really love to get into it, but I just, and I, look, I'm nearly 47. So mm. you and I are very similar. Okay, all right. Yeah. Any <laughs> tips? I felt so old when I said that. Or for um, anyone out there who's thinking about getting on BookTok or TikTok, look, any tips for them? I, it's funny, you know, because I got on TikTok because I heard this podcast of this guy saying, oh, I started selling, you know, thousands of books the moment I got on TikTok, right? But what you don't realize is they're the outliers, right? They're, so they're the 1% that did sell very well. And behind them, there's maybe not 1%, maybe it's 10%, I don't know. But behind them, there's a, a great majority of people that, that aren't, right? right? But doesn't mean it's not a fun platform. It's actually quite fun. Like I don't make, I, I said early on, I'm not going to do anything silly. Like I'm not going to do any funny dances or any. <laughs> any of that stuff so i i haven't done anything i think the most cringeworthy thing i did was i i did a little smile at one of my videos and i thought oh that looks corny but you know it wasn't because <laughs> i meant to it's just that was the way it you know came up but yeah so there's nothing on there that i've done that i've gone oh you know that's embarrassing or whatever i i, I literally just go on and you've got to think about if if you want to you know you if you want to use it for books then what I would say is do not like anything else and just focus on liking book-related things. Yep, right? so engage what, with everyone who's reading, writing. Reading, writing. Yep. What we often do is, and this is the catch, is I started engaging with all these other authors because it's so great to hear from other authors and mm-hmm. I'd post videos and authors would re- reply back. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're getting to the readers. Because it just throws you then in this loop of you yeah. and other authors. Because it's right? the readers you want to reach, don't That's you? That's right. Like, and yeah. so I made a complaint. Oh, I'm not selling any books. And somebody said, well, all your videos are to other authors. And sure, you get, you know, 100 people leaving a comment, but you haven't sold a single book. So mm. you've got to think about. So what I started to do is um, I still do little videos because, you know, little videos about me talking. I was talking about, you know, I did a little one minute version a video on regret the other day and you know something that i saw you know just out and about in society and a, and a, a friend of the family who has alzheimer's uh, right. and so this little video and it's probably not for readers or for authors it's just for anybody so you know i still do videos that i just want to do um because it's a topic that i just want to discuss openly and, and invite feedback on um, but if you're, if you're going to do it just to think, Hey, I'm going to sell a thousand books. Um, then you are probably got to do it much better than I am because <laughs> it's not working for me, but I, I know I have sold some books on, on TikTok because I've, I've had, you know, people come and say, Hey, um, this sounds really interesting. I'm going to go and, I'm going to go and buy your book. So it wow. was, um, yeah, but you, you know, we're talking a few copies here. We're not talking, you know, yeah, you know, hundreds, hundreds or thousands, 300. Yeah, yeah that's right. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I might try and, and give it another go because I, I was on there for about six weeks, I think, and then deleted yeah. it. And I've been, you know, yeah, it's a, it's toying a with the idea waves. of doing it again next year. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody said to me, are you having fun? And I went, you know what? I am having fun. So I thought I, I can handle, you know, um, I can handle, you know, just spending a bit of time on that platform as long as you don't let it suck you down. <laughs> And, they, and do you have to post every day? Because someone said to me, you've got to be really active on TikTok. Otherwise, you just get swallowed up in the algorithm and no one sees your videos. Is that true? Well, I, because, I, you know, I had some time um, between jobs. So I, I started posting every day, sometimes twice a day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it didn't mean that I got any, and I'm yet to have a single, vir- uh, you know, video go viral. I think the most I've ever had is uh, one and a half thousand views. Right? Okay. Which is great. But typically I get anywhere from three to 400 views now, okay. which, you know, isn't huge, but you know what? It's hard for me to talk to three or 400 people in a day, right? About my books. But if I do a little video and every day, 300 to 400 to 600 people see that video, that's mm. 300 people that wouldn't have seen it yesterday. Right. So yeah, it's still and, and a, a say, huge amount of people. Yeah. 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 It is. And they say that, you know, um, people have to see something like eight times before they buy it or something like that. So sometimes you just got to be in it and you got to play the long game. I, I've stopped posting every day. Um, I did it that first month um, and I now post every second or third day. But the funny thing is in doing that, people are starting to like some of my older stuff. Like the, I'm getting likes on older videos that I'd forgotten about. Um, oh, wow. So I don't know if the machine is filling in the gaps or what. And that's I think that's the problem with TikTok. Like in any other sort of system in Facebook or whatever, if you get likes and comments, then the machine goes, yes, I'm going to show it to lots of people. But in TikTok, you can get lots of comments and likes and it still says, no, I'm not happy to show this to people. And nobody can quite tell you. I mean, they all say they can. Nobody can quite tell you what it is that really ticks off that algorithm to say, this is the one you're going to make viral. So there's all Mm. these people that say, you know, we know the secret to TikTok. And I've, I've bought one or two of their books, but I haven't uh, had the success in, in following their instructions. Mm, it sounds like the algorithm's a bit of a mystery. It is. That's the yeah. problem with it. The algorithm is a complete mystery. And I said to somebody the other day, it's like playing a, uh, a poker machine, you know, where you pull the lever, an old style poker machine, you pull the lever yep. <laughs> and you just keep pulling the lever. And then eventually something goes bing, 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 all the lights come on and you've got a couple of thousand views or maybe if you're lucky, Yep. You know, 100,000 views. Um, but, yeah, that, that's it's it's a bit of fun. I, I'm not expecting huge things out of it. Now, I think you have to be careful listening to these podcasts where of people that say that they've sold thousands of books because they're on that podcast because they have a good story to tell. Yeah. There's plenty that haven't, you know. Yeah. Well, look, if there's any listeners out there who are toying with the idea of either getting onto TikTok or giving it another go, Hopefully you've inspired them to at least get in, have a bit of fun and, you know, see where it goes. So Yeah, absolutely. Come and follow me and copy my videos. I don't know if they're <laughs> any good, but, you know, if there's anything you like, that's all you can do is just look what other people are doing. Yeah. So talking about social media, before we wrap things up, Andrew, just remind people where they can find you online. Yeah, they can find me mostly as Andrew Hood author on Facebook or uh, I think it's at Andrew Hood author on TikTok. I'm on Twitter as well. As you know, I'm not very good at Twitter. 
No, um, see, see, Twitter. You, you know, Twitter's where I'm most. Twitter's active, your But yeah, world, I, right? I know if I want to talk to you, I've got to find you on Facebook. 100. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm, I've let you down on Twitter a couple of times. Sorry. But, no, that's um, okay. I'll forgive you. It's just you know you got to you got to make your choices on which platform works for you, and because it's just too many, it's too many. And I'm not very good on on Instagram, but I am there, and you know you can reach out if anybody wants to get in touch. But um, probably Facebook's where I have more meaningful conversations or connections with people yeah yeah fantastic and andrew i think i forgot to ask you at the beginning of the episode where are you coming from like who are the traditional owners of the land or where you live oh, and yeah. work? i'm so sorry listeners no, i did forget okay. to ask you no it's uh so i'm in bookham hills which is the um big i've got to pronounce this right and that's in sydney guys if you're wondering yes how i knew this like the moment we started the show and I'm now struggling with the word, but digital, digital people. I'm sure, I'm sure people forgive you if you've mispronounced it. And I do apologize because I always ask when we hit record and I forgot. So I've put you on the spot. I do apologize. I think you've done well considering. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as I said, I'm sure people will forgive you if you pronounced it wrong. All right. Sorry guys. So look, um, Andrew, thank you so much for coming back to speak with us again and congratulations on the series. It's a huge achievement. Oh, thank you. And congratulations on your series, third series now. That's so exciting. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And as I said, like, you know, it was so much fun having you on last season and now you've done my last book to come back and talk about that. It's like we've gone full circle and we've wrapped that's it awesome. all up. So that's been yeah, lots of that's fun. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And hopefully you and I will meet sometime in 2023. We certainly will. We're going to make sure of it. Beautiful. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Hayley. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, when we write, we can't go wrong. And until next time, bye for now.